Uh, we're delighted to have you with us today. This is our second uh, monthly men's lunch, although it's only coming two weeks after our last one, uh, because in September we always start in the middle of the month after Rally Sunday. Uh, but we're delighted to have you with us today and delighted to have uh, Craig Donaldson coming to share with us. Craig is uh, relatively new to Charleston and to St. Phillips, he and his wife. Cheryl have been coming uh, for the past couple of years. Uh, Craig has a very interesting background. He is from California originally, uh, graduated from UCLA, uh, did a stint at Fuller Seminary, and then went to Loyola of Chicago Law School where he graduated with honors. Uh, he has done a number of fascinating things in the legal world. He was at Winston and Strawn, which is one of the really big law firms in the United States based out of Chicago. Uh, but he also, with his wife and children, spent a significant portion of his career abroad, um, living in the Netherlands and then uh, also in uh, Vienna and spending a lot of time in Hungary. And for a while, he was on staff with uh, the ministry Young Life, which you probably know, uh, working with high school students. And he was the country lead for Austria and Hungary there. In the legal world, he has had quite a career working uh, in the uh, in-house role of ethics and compliance officer, heading that function up for Volvo Cars America. Uh, he also had a stint where he was uh, more or less in charge of, I always forget if it was Sucralose or Splenda, uh, one of those. Uh, but he's had responsibility for a lot of international law operations on the in-house side and now is with Major Lindsay in Africa, which is the premier global uh, legal talent recruiting firm uh, that has offices all over the world. Uh, Craig and his wife Cheryl have three sons, and they like to say that there are um, five Donaldsons that are um, living on three different continents right now uh, because their sons are sort of spread out around the world. But uh, the little-known fact about Craig and Cheryl is that they were next-door neighbors to Bishop Edgar and his wife in Illinois uh, for many years. And so if you want to get the dirt on Chip Edgar, um, you can ask uh, the Donaldsons for stories about what went on when their children were all growing up. But Craig has a uh, wonderful and long uh, history of work with the church and uh, being involved spiritually. So we're delighted to welcome him to share his story with us today. Please welcome Craig. Thank you. That was really nice. I, it sounded, I have my, my first thing, my career and married and kids. So we got those two and you said them a lot better than I could uh, ever say them. So hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, it's a thrill to be here uh, with Father Brian asked and I said yes, I got kind of nervous and, and then okay, what's my story? And so um, preparing for this and thinking about my life and what God's done in my life has really been cathartic and, and, and special. So I appreciate this opportunity to um, put me through that exercise and then get to communicate um, what the Lord's done in my life. And so, so really this is, uh, I'll approach it of kind of spiritual highlights. And some of them are low 
lights, but just uh, spiritual important times throughout my life. As you get older, you realize there's a lot there, so trying to break it down in a succinct way. Um, as, as Father Brian said, uh, Cheryl and I have been married for 30 years, or over 30 years. We met on Young Life staff. I was in Budapest, Hungary. She was in Vienna, Austria. We were on the same team. We got married, uh, came back to the States. Um, I got my law degree, and then she went to Wheaton College and got her master's in clinical psychology. So she's been practicing clinical psychology um, for many years and has her own practice here now. Uh, primarily focusing on dealing with adolescents, teenagers dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, and, and also parents dealing with kids with stress, anxiety, and depression, and that a, a lot of transitions, right, that kids go through from junior high to high school, high school to, 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 uh, to, to, to college. So, um, so my story, my, my faith story uh, begins in high school, or before high school. So I, I grew up, uh, my parents, we weren't religious, we went to church once in a while. Um, Christmas and New Year's at best. Um, no, we didn't pray. We didn't talk about God. You know, it was kind of a formality to, in the community, dress up on Christmas Sunday and Easter Sunday and go to church. And so, um, yeah, no real knowledge of the Bible, no real knowledge of anything. But I, I, uh, I believed in God. Um, I knew there was a God because I just looked around at creation. I looked around at the world and I just thought to myself, there ha this can't happen by chance. There has to be a creator. Um, now, who created the creator, I don't know, and I still am not sure, but I knew there was a, a creator. Um, but never prayed, never anything, you know. So uh, in, in, in high school, I was very popular, played sports, got straight A's, was well-liked, had a great friend group, and sophomore year in high school was fantastic. You know, just the friends, the sports, the grades, the community, everything was going great. You know, I was kind of one of those big men on campus. Um, and I grew up in Southern California in Palos Verdes, which if you know Palos Verdes, is a gorgeous place. Um, so things were humming along. Um, I, I, I sometimes joke that I peaked my senior year in high school, like that was the climax of my life. I was riding high and then since then it's you know, been downhill, um, which, which is not true as my wife reminds me and my kids remind me. But sophomore year in high school, uh, I was out in Palm Desert with a friend of mine. We, we had been there many times. His, his, uh, his parents had a place in Palm Desert, Pat Lindsay. So we, we were there. I'd probably been there 15, 20 times before. And so we're hanging out, playing tennis, going in the pool, and um, I go to bed that night, and um, you know, trying to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden, something um, I, I describe as supernatural happened. Something just out of the ordinary, something I've never experienced before, never and I'd never experienced afterwards. But it was almost uh, a dread and a fear came over. It it was as if the um, cosmos, the security, as we're sitting here, we don't think about the wall falling, you don't think about the chair you're on, you don't think about how is this universe woven together. For some reason, that was all of a sudden happening to me. And it was like I was watching a movie, a terrible movie, of things falling apart, but I was in it. Um, and, and, and so, again, I'd, I'd never had anything like this happen, ever. Not even remotely. Um, but I was sitting there in fear and in dread and panicking because I was kind of seeing the, the cosmos and the world around me falling apart. There was no, imagine your, all your security just being taken away. That's, that's what happened. And, and I didn't get it, I didn't know what was happening. And so I, I did the only thing I knew what to do. God help me, God help me. Um, and, 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 and again, I, I only called on God when I needed him once every few months, once a year, whatever, but it was, hey, God help me, because I'm, I'm freaking out. And, um, and then, and then a, a quiet voice came back, uh, very direct, uh, non-judgmental, very loving, 
um, very matter of fact, and said, hey, Craig, you, it wasn't Craig, you only pray when you need me. I want you always. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was as clear a voice in my being. You know, it might have well been audible. And again, I had never had anything like, I've never had that, God speak to me like that before. And I, since then, I've never had God speak to me like that before. Um, and so my response back was, you're right. You're, yeah, you're, 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 you're right. After that, things calmed down. Like the, 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 the angst went away, the fear went away, the cosmos being destroyed in front of me kind of went away. And there was a calm and a peace. Um, and I was like, okay, that was crazy. Um, I didn't share it with anybody because I was embarrassed, right? They, they, I would, they, would, they would have put me in the loony bin probably, you know, if it was, I shared that story. So I didn't share it with my family or the, my friend and his family. That Monday went back to school and um, there's a guy that was a great athlete, got into drugs and then all of a sudden became religious. So, so I went to him, uh, hey, Greg, uh, can you tell me about God, right? Um, and, and, and so he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, well, tell me about your story. I hear you're religious. I want to I wanna know more about God. I didn't tell him what happened because, again, I was embarrassed about, by it and just thought it, it, it's, it's crazy even saying it. But so he told me about Christ and his conversion and, 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 and said, hey, go read the gospel. And, and, and so I did and, um, and, and, and then talked to another guy that had become religious and he shared the gospel with me. And, and um, I was like, hey, this makes sense. And when I read uh, you know, the gospels, Mark or John or whatever, Luke, it just was, hey, this Jesus is incredible. This is amazing. And so right away I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Um, all, all in, 100%. It was like, this is what I've been looking for, and, and this is everything. Um, started going, if you guys, how many of you have seen, is it the Jesus Movement? I don't know if anybody's seen that film. Jesus Revolution. Um, so that's the church I went to, Chuck Smith's church in, Ca in Costa Mesa. Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie was there. He had a different church. And so we started going there, and I would listen to Chuck Smith and Raul Reese and Greg Laurie Bible studies all, all the time. I mean, I was all in. And so my faith was... On, on fire, right? Now, in hindsight, when I look back, there was kind of a piece of a toxic uh, to it. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, I was kind of that know-it-all. I was kind of, hey, I'm bailing on my old friends. I was kind of, hey, everything's black and white. Um, and, 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 and I kind of just uh, um, uh, forsook a lot of people and, and maybe wasn't as kind and maybe was really judgmental. But I kind of, and I didn't have a mentor to kind of, I didn't allow a mentor in to come alongside me and say, hey, help me figure this out and walk with me, walk with me in this. So, um, so, so went through, went through uh, uh, high school, um, applied to, I really wanted to go to the Ivy League because Ivy League was the best and I always wanted to do the best. I think I applied to 11 schools and got rejected 11 times. And so it was, I ended up at UCLA and um, went to UCLA and um, hated it, hated it my first year. I, I, I didn't, I was kind of that on fire Christian and I didn't know where to fit in. Also where I was big man on campus in high school, I, I recognized I was so ordinary at UCLA. I was an ordinary student. There's a lot smarter people than me. I was an ordinary athlete. There was, a, there was a tens of thousands of people that were accomplished, and, and it was, I just couldn't find my place and find my belonging. Um, I went through Rush the first year. I, I, I went around Rush for fraternities, and, and I thought they were the dumbest thing in the world. It was a bunch of drunk people getting just trashed, and I was like, this is not for me. This is terrible, you know? So sophomore year, I, I couldn't attend a class, and there was a guy I kind of knew. I said, hey, Bill, will you do me a favor? I called him, will you, will you um, take notes for me in class? And he goes, yeah, sure. And so uh, this guy that, again, I didn't know him that well, took notes and then 
Next day came by my dorm, said, hey, here's your, here's your notes. I said, thanks, I, I, uh, I appreciate that. You know, and if there's anything I can do for you, let me know, you know, I'd be happy to. Now, when I asked that, I didn't think he would say yes, right? It was kind of, you know, if there's anything I can do for you, I didn't think he'd say anything. And he goes, well, actually there is. And I said, what? He said, um, my fraternity is having dinner on Thursday night. I'd love for you to come. And I said, you know, I'm really not into that. I, I really am not. He goes, well, why? And I thought, I'm going to be very honest because this will, they won't want me after I say this. I said, well, first, I'm a Christian. And second, I don't, I, I don't drink. So I thought that will be the end of it. He'll be fine. And he says, you know, that's funny. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm a strong Christian. I said, really? He goes, yeah. And he goes, and, and I don't drink. I said, really? And I said, I, I appreciate that, but I, I just don't think it's for me. And Bill said, well, you asked me if there's anything you could do for me. And my ask to you was come to dinner. But if you don't want to do that, 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 that's okay. And I felt guilty. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of my word. I appreciate what you did. That's, if that's your ask, I'll go. So went, met, it was Sigma Chi. It met Christians there, met non-Christians, but really liked the people and saw kind of a different side. So ended up actually joining, you know, something I said I would never do, joined Sigma Chi. The reason I share that, because some of my best friends today are, are from that fraternity. Um, and, um, and, 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 and kind of a, a poignant point, um, a couple of years ago, I was going through a real difficult time and um, fraternity brother, uh, Randy uh, Sherwood, he, he has his doctorate in psychology, probably talked to him four or five times over 20 years, but I thought I need to reach out to Randy. So I called Randy and I said, hey, I'm really going through a rough patch. Can you, can you, can we talk? You know, we spent hours on the phone talking, called me back the next day, again, talked on the phone. And finally he says, Hey, why don't, why don't we meet? I'm like, what are you talking about? Let's meet halfway. It'd be a five hour drive for you. It'd be a five hour drive for me. Let's spend the weekend together. And it was one of the kindest things anybody's ever done for me, you know, just to drop everything with their family and say, Hey, I want to be with you. And so I think back to Sigma Chi and kind of the blessing of the friendships and the community that I've had. Um, later, uh, a bunch of us went on a mission trip for Sigma Chi, and, and, and so that, that was um, spiritually significant. So our junior year in college, uh, a bunch of us said, Sigma Chi, hey, let's go on a mission trip. And um, we all wanted to dig ditches in Africa and build homes and water supplies. And we were going with Campus Crusade because that was the organization we were involved with in, in college. And, and um, um, we were late to apply. So those filled up. <clears throat> I said, the only thing you guys can go to is Eastern Europe. And that was under communism. So they're very secret about we're in Eastern Europe and all that. And you're going to go do evangelism. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Campus Crusade, but back in the day, you had four spiritual laws, and you would evangelize using these four spiritual laws, and you, you know, you'd kind of just go up to people randomly and say, hey, can I talk to you? And then you'd go through these things. We didn't want to do that. We, did, we were like, oh, gosh, we'd rather like, you know, do physical labor. But we all said, hey, let's do it. And so there was three of us Sigma Chi's. We ended up meeting four other Sigma Chi's from Ole Miss, and, um, and, and, and we spent the summer in Hungary. And that was transformative for me. Um, I just, it was like the world came alive, the, the castles, the Danube, the history, the people, um, the culture, the food, the language, everything about it, um, the communism, the oppression, the 1956 invasion, meeting people who had been in gulags and talking about that. Um, and so that, that changed the course of my career because I was, 
when I was at UCLA, you know, I wanted to be in the best profession and make the most money. That was commercial real estate. So commercial real estate was the hottest gig you could have when I was at UCLA and I was part of a commercial real estate company, you know, and I was going to go work there full time. And I came back to him and I said, uh, hey, I, I, I can't do that. I feel like I need to be in Hungary, you know. And, and, and they were like, you know, that's fine. You know, call us when you get back. And so, um, so, so I ended up going with Young Life. And, and, and going back to high school, uh, which is ironic, I, I thought people in Young Life were kind of carnal, not committed Christians. And, and, and so here, ironically, um, I'm going on Young Life staff and excited about it because I feel like it fits who I am in terms of incarnational ministry and uh, winning the right to be heard and, 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 and what have you. Um, and, and so I needed to spend a year um, raising money and, and kind of figuring out which organization, which was eventually Young Life. And so I worked at a law firm, because I could work at a law firm as a paralegal for a year, and they didn't care if I left. I had no interest in the law, but I was gonna work at Skadden Arps, which again is a very top law firm in the country. So I worked there in LA for a year, and I had no interest in being a lawyer. After I was at Skadden Arps, I was like, I'll never be a lawyer. There's no way I'll ever be a, uh, I will never be a lawyer. Those, I'm not doing that. Um, anyway, went on Young Life staff and was over there for about five years. Me and another gentleman were the first on Young Life staff to go into Eastern Europe. Um, we, we worked with Hungarians in the Hungarian community. I met my wife, Cheryl, over there. She was at the uh, 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 International School in, in Vienna. Um, and so that's where, that's where we uh, met, got married, kind of tried to figure out, hey, what are we going to do um, afterwards? What's our next step? And, and she wanted to get her master's in clinical psychology at a faith-based school. So Wheaton was that school. I said, hey, I'll kind of follow you. You know, I, can, I, I wanted to go to social work. So I... I'd applied to social work at Loyola um, in, in Chicago, and then, um, I won't get into it, but serendipitous, ended up applying to law school, dual degree, loved law, dropped social work, and, and, and was in law school, and loved, and loved um, law school, and was part of a, um, a Civitas child law program there. A guy by the name of Jeff Jacobs, who was uh, Oprah Winfrey's business partner, and uh, president of Harpo Studios, had endowed certain schools to help focus on youth, on, on brain trauma, on social work, and on legal issues. So he endowed Loyola where he went um, for, for uh, students to look, 10 students to um, be part of a Civitas program looking at that. I, after, after law school, I ended up at Winston and Strawn um, in, in Chicago, a prestigious big law firm. And they, partly because of Jeff Jacobs and, and, and what he did, because Winston and Strawn represented Oprah, um, he created a program, or he told him, you're going to create a program at Winston where um, we're going to have one person a year, one person for two years, dedicate half their time to pro bono work. So they're going to dedicate half their time to pro bono work, and then the other half they can do firm work, and they're on the partner track. So that was me. I was the second person to do that. So I went into Winston and Strawn and um, represented juvenile delinquents. Um, worked with Northwestern Legal Clinic in, in Chicago. They would call me if they had a case um, that they thought the kid was innocent or it was a significant legal case or they just thought, hey, this kid needs representation. The public defender's not going to be able to do it. So they would usually call me with kind of bigger profile cases. And, and every time they called, and juvenile um, delinquent is just somebody who commits a crime, but they happen to be under 18. So think of all the crimes of that are really repugnant in terms of whatever. Well, those were the kids I was representing, right? And, 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 and so when I'd get the call, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want to do this. Um, and I always ended up doing it. When I met these kids, every single one of them, 
the, the, their, their, there was something so redemptive in them, you know, and they had made a mistake or how they grew up or the things that happened to them. When they told me their story, it was always, I, I can see what happened. Um, and, and, and so it was a blessing to see uh, their re that, that some, they made a bad mistake on something and yet to see the redemptive quality of, of, of God in them um, and hearing their story and understanding it better. And I grew up in a white community affluent to see for three years working with them the other sides of the track, the legal system, the, the resources they have, the communities they live in, and, and, and it was really eye-opening um, eye for, for me. Um, so let me, so that's Winston and Strawn. We fast forward from there. Um, we then lived overseas, and I was regional uh, general counsel for a uh, uh, S.C. Johnson Unilever company, and we raised our kids for five years there. We come back, and kind of different career transitions and different life quakes, right, up and down, um, dealing with family, dealing with friends, dealing with career, dealing with finances, and, 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 and trying to weave our way through life. I, I would say the next significant event uh, for me, from a spiritual perspective, was us when we moved to Kansas City. So I moved to Kansas City uh, to help start an ethics and compliance program for uh, a global company there. And, um, and, and, and when we were moving there, a friend of ours from central Illinois said, hey, you got to check out this church. I know the wife of the pastor very well. She was a dear family friend. Um, and so I, I, I went to that church thinking it's going to be a small kind of country church, and I'm going to go say, hey, pastor, I, you know, your wife was dear friends with so-and-so back in Decatur, Illinois, and then they're gonna, he's going to invite me to lunch, and we're going to have apple pie and coffee and be on our way. Well, I, I show up at the church. It's a big church, a big campus. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, you know, it's just big. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't think our friend had any idea what a big deal this pastor must be because, of, you know, this is a huge church. So anyway... I'm a little bit late and go in, and, and um, his sermon is on um, somebody had committed suicide in the church, um, one of his parishioners. And so he was talking about suicide and um, talking about what that means for the church and how that happens and is the person in heaven or not and all those things. And I don't remember anything from the sermon, but I just remember sitting there going, okay, I've, I've never had a conversation about suicide. I've never heard anybody talk about suicide. And here I am, this, this man, if, very ordinary guy, um, a priest, a uh, pastor is talking about suicide. And it was, I just left going, that, that was pretty incredible. And it was raw and real and redemptive, um, you know. And, 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 and he talked about the person being a parishioner and a friend and that the guy had called him two weeks before he chose to make, choose his own, you know, take his own life. And so we ended up at that, staying at that church. And I think um, for, for, for me and for our boys particularly, and, and, and for Cheryl, I, th I think that church helped us kind of say it's okay to ask questions. You know, for me, it was like, okay, I can kind of, for so much of my life, it was all black and white, and some things are black and white, but okay, hey, to kind of be more, allowed me to be more intellectually honest with myself. I think the other thing that, that I, I learned there was how much God loves us. I mean, that was almost in every sermon, how much God loves us in a really touching, meaningful way. And then it was always a call to ministry. Hey, what God's done for you, you go do for others in a tangible way. And he would always, not always, but he would draw a line saying, hey, this is earth, right? This is earth access. And then this is heaven, right? So heaven's this, earth's this. And he said, our job is to bridge the gap, to bridge the gap. So go out and, and, and bridge the gap. So there was always a call to, 
to action on that. I, the, the other two things that were significant, and again, it's little life moments where you're like, wow, that was powerful, but we had a guy, a theologian from um, Yale come, his name is Miroslav Wolf, um, very bright guy, and he was talking about theology and God, uh, written a bunch of books, um, uh, and, and, and he was talking about, you know, God is God, he's not bound by anything, right? He, he's not bound by anything. Um, and, and he could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He goes, but the only thing God's constrained by is love. God cannot act but out of love. And I was like, God, it's, I've never thought of it that way. What does that mean? And, and kind of that overarching love that he has for us, that, that spoke to me. And then another guy a few weeks later came and talked about how we're sinners in the hands of a loving God, not an angry God. And that spoke to me. And so I think kind of my journey now where I am and, and, and continue to be is, you know, help, you know, seeing myself more as created by God. And, and, and that's a good thing, you know, that, that uh, me and you, everybody, we're, I'm wonderfully made. Um, kind of allowing me to accept more my my humanity, which especially when I was younger I didn't do, but hey, I'm human, I'm, and, and with that comes a lot of stuff, and God knows that, and, 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 and he's okay with that, and not, I don't, I don't, I try not to beat myself up as much spiritually anymore, you know, hey, I don't measure, I was always kind of like, well, if I, if I prayed more, I wouldn't be stressed, right, if I, if I had more faith, I, I wouldn't get angry, if I had, and Yes, but that's not all of it. So that, that humanity and not been having some self-compassion and it's okay to be me. And I think about kind of the last few years knowing, um, you know, my, because of what Christ has done for me, my mission is, hey, help others. You know, that's how I kind of am going about it and, and, and view it as, uh, I forget who said it, but one beggar finding a, uh, one beggar telling another beggar where to find, where to find bread. Um, so I'm, you know, so that Kansas City time was important to us and probably more important to our kids. So it was great seeing them kind of under that. Um, and and, and, and I'm, we're, our family's so grateful to be here and to be a part of this and, you know, that, that uh, the journey never ends. And, and so thankful that I get to, uh, we as a family get to continue it here and the blessing of, of this church and the, the community. So thanks for, thank you for having me. Craig, thank you so much for sharing your life story with us. One of the things that I think is so encouraging when you look in Craig's life is that it is an example of how God is looking for us. So often we think that it is just all about our looking for God, but the way that God spoke to Craig and then continued to draw him to him throughout his life in all of these different contexts and continued to help him grow and to... Um, understand more and more deeply about uh, God's love for us and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But one of the things that I really appreciate about Craig and Cheryl and their whole family is the way that they really live out this idea of serving others. And I'm just going to close with one little story about that. Many of y'all know I had some very serious eye trouble last year and uh, had first a laser surgery on my eye and then my whole retina detached and I had to have emergency surgery and was immobilized and uh, then had to have a bunch of follow-up doctor's appointments and I couldn't drive because I couldn't see, so it was good that I was not driving. But uh, 
one day when Jane was out of town, I was realizing I needed to go to the eye doctor and I couldn't figure out how to get there and I was talking to the Donaldsons about it and one of their sons, who I had never even met, said, oh, well, I'll take you. And I was like, well, you don't understand. You live in Mount Pleasant and this is out like way out in West Ashley and the appointment's gonna last for an hour and a half. And he's like, no problem. I would be delighted to do that. We'll get to spend some time talking in the car and uh, I'll just wait for you and then drive you home. And if you need me to make you lunch, I'll do that. And I was like, who are these people? Uh, but that's just typical. If you get to be friends with the Donaldsons, that is just normal. And they live out that service that is based in their understanding of Christ's love for them. So. So grateful for your being with us today. Um, we will be back the first Wednesday in November, so please mark that on your calendar to join us in. Let me go ahead and close this with a prayer and a blessing. Father, we thank you so much for this time today. Lord, we pray that as we reflect on your activity in our lives, that you would help us to be reminded afresh of the fact that you are seeking us that you love us, that you want us to come into the reach of your embrace. Lord, we pray that you would help us when we hear that small voice to respond to it, and that as we respond, that we would be those people who are bearers of the light of the gospel in this broken and hurting world. Lord, we thank you for Craig and for his family and pray your blessing on them. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming. We will see you next first Wednesday in November. Thanks. <laughs>